Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Anacrusic Podcast. You are listening to episode number 98. Today on tap, we're talking about the three steps for music lesson planning in a pandemic. Anne Molesky, and I've helped music teachers just like you get more intentional in their classrooms through my trainings, curriculum, and tips shared on this podcast. The truth is, teaching music is hard. You have a bunch of kids to teach and not a lot of free time to figure out how. Feeling overwhelmed and frustrated is totally normal. But here's the good news. It only takes a few simple steps to flip the script. And although it may be simple, it's definitely not easy unless you have the right toolkit. So let's start tuning and transforming your music teacher life right now. The actionable steps you need to find the purpose, follow a sequence, and choose joy are right here. This is the Anacrusic Podcast. In times like these, there are so many things that are 100% out of our control. But the one thing that is in our control is the way that we create meaningful music-making experiences for our kids. That's why now is the perfect time to sign up for the free Power Up Your Lesson Planning Challenge. In five days, you'll learn the five secrets to music lesson magic, whether you're teaching in person, online, or some combination of the two. Head to anacrusic.com slash challenge or click the link in the show notes to sign up for free and you'll get all my tips and tricks delivered to your email inbox starting right now. Again, that's anacrusic.com slash challenge. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I hope that the start to your school year is going well if you've already started and that you have some peace of mind going into this fall with your kids, however you may be asked to be teaching. I know that there is tons of stress and a lot of unknown out there for so many of us right now, and it's really, really difficult to find that peace. And so today, I just want to share a few things that I've talked about with my community members. I've shared with some teachers during some workshops, and I've just really been thinking about, because of the conversations I've had with people inside of the Anacrusic community and just my colleagues and friends as this year approaches, there is so much that is unknown. And it's not just the unknown about our music teaching situation. And, you know, you might know whether or not you're going to be in person or virtual or hybrid or whatever, but we also know that that can change in less than a day, right? In a little literal instant, our teaching situation can change again with everything that's going on in this pandemic. So with all of that unknown, there is a real loss of control, And if you're like me, and I know I've talked about this before, but if you're like me, you don't like not being in control and not being able to make a plan. And it's very unsettling to not only be able to make a plan in terms of your music teacher life, but also just your life, (laughs) because there's so much craziness going on in terms of expectations for us being in person and implications that could have on our health or our family member's health. And, you know, you might have a spouse or a family member who's in a essential worker or who's immunocompromised or any or all of the things. And it just weighs really, really heavy, right? So all of that impacts our music teacher lives, even though it's not 
necessarily directly related, um, but all of that impacts our life. And so there's a lot of extra stress beyond all of the expectations that are being placed on educators and music educators in our world right now. And so I want to start today's episode. I have some really concrete steps for you to take in terms of planning, right? And for you to feel prepared and good about what you're going to bring to kids this year. But before we do that, I want to just stop and take a breath and acknowledge that this year is hard and that there is that unknown and that there is that loss of control and that there are things that are going to be frustrating to you because of that loss of control. So if you're driving, don't do this, but if you're at home or you have a moment later on today, I would love for you to just take three minutes and set a timer, but take three minutes and a blank sheet of paper and write down three things that are causing you stress or anxiety in your life right now. And you know, you might have way more than three, or you might just have one big honking one that you can't ignore and can't think about anything else. But whatever it is, I really want you to just take those three minutes and think about those three things, aim for three, that are really causing you some stress and anxiety. Then the next thing I want you to do is I want you to look at those three things and determine or identify whether or not those things are in your control. Now, my guess is that they aren't because otherwise I know you would take the action required to make them not be issues that would be stressing you out or giving you anxiety. And so I just want you to sit with that and realize this is something that is out of my control and I need to figure out a way to put something that I can control into action to make this manageable. And if you just feel super duper frustrated about that, I just want you to sit with one question, and that question is how. I think we just get so hung up on all of the different things, for lack of a better way to say it, but the different things that we're having to literally jump and crawl and climb over as the school year starts, that we get so bogged down with the weight of it all. And instead of thinking about ways that we can still have a glimmer of what we're used to, we just feel that weight and we let it crush us. And so what I wish for you is that you take some time to realize, yes, this is incredibly stressful. Yes, this is causing me a lot of anxiety. And yes, this is out of my control. But there are some things that I can do to make it manageable. So now what I'd like for you to do is I want you to think specifically about your music teacher life. And my guess is that a lot of the things that are causing you stress and anxiety right now are the ways that you have to teach differently. The fact that you won't be in your classroom or the fact that you won't be in front of kids at all or the fact that you can't sing or use instruments or do anything the way that we're used to doing it. And, you know, there's all the stress of a pandemic, which is really real and we're not going to ignore. But aside from that, people don't like change especially change that they're not asking for, right? Like none of us asked for this. None of us would wish this on one another for many, many, many multifaceted reasons. But at the same time, this is the situation that we're in. And I find that a lot of times when you just feel stuck, it's because you stop asking yourself how. And so what I want you to do is I want you to think about what your music classroom looks like normally. 
when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, when you can be with your kids the way that you love to be with your kids and teach them music the way that you know you're meant to teach them, what does your classroom look like? What are some of your favorite activities that you do with your kids? And this is an exercise that I do with um, my members inside of the sequencing solution when we think about our mission statements and all of the repertoire that we're used to using and the games and activities that we like to do and whether or not we are making these really true to our mission statement and who we want to be as music educators. But I want you to think about the things that you love to do in your classroom. And I want you to think about, okay, now with all of these restrictions, can I keep this activity pretty close to the way it is? Can I alter it or do some intentional innovations to make it work? Or do I have to completely throw it out? And there's going to be a good chunk of activities that you automatically put in that toss out pile. But my challenge for you is to think of ways that you might be able to change it. So for example, I know many of us are mourning the loss, and this is real, I'm not being um, hyperbolic or anything, but really and truly mourning the loss of not being able to play circle games. Like that's a huge part of our lives as music teachers to play a singing game that's Duck Duck Goose style or something similar that kids just really need to play because they don't get a chance to do it anywhere else. And since that's just not a possibility, even if we are in person with some of the social distancing restrictions and to keep our kids and ourselves safe, we're mourning the loss of doing that type of activity. But what if you could do something different? What if you could do that through Zoom? What if you could do it by having stuffed animals play the different players inside of the game? What if you could adapt it to be like a digital game board where kids are on teams and then it's an elimination game that way? So I want you to consistently be thinking how. So the point of all of this is that there is a lot that is 100% outside of our control. The environments that we are being asked to teach in, the way that we are being asked to deliver instruction, the way we're being asked to assess, the way we're being asked to communicate with students and parents and our colleagues, and all of the things are different. But there is one thing that is staying the same, and that is we are still music teachers. I said this all the way back in the spring when everything blew up, right? But we are not virtual teachers. That is just the mode of instruction that we're being asked to do. We're not hybrid teachers. We're not mass teachers. We're not any of those things. We teach music and we teach music to children. And so the thing that you absolutely 100% can control is what types of meaningful musical experiences you are creating for your children within the context of your lesson. No matter what that lesson looks like, no matter how different or how abbreviated it is or how how sporadic it feels or how not close to what you're used to it is, you still have control over what you are putting inside of your lessons and the way that you plan. So for you today, I just want to kind of bring the focus back in to really, really intentional lesson planning. And yes, things are going to feel different, but the focus is still the same. And so I want to give you these three steps for planning, whether you're virtual teaching, hybrid teaching, or in-person teaching, because you are still music teaching. So the first thing you need to do is start with your lesson targets or lesson objectives or behavioral objectives, whatever you want to call it, 
and then figure out how you're going to know that your students got it, right? So if your objective for the day is today in music, I can, and this is in the student's voice, of course, but I can clap ta and tt. I want you to think about all of the different ways that you can make that happen in this new environment, And then I want you to start thinking about the types of activities that you can build around it to help facilitate student choice. So are you going to be able to play those circle games exactly the way that you're used to? No. Are you going to be able to pass out a bunch of different unpitched percussion instruments and then have kids rotate and do all these fancy, fancy things? No. But if you're teaching virtually... Can you ask students to go find a found instrument or something that kind of looks like rhythm sticks or a couple of spoons or something from the kitchen or something from their room that they can tap together to show you ta and titi? Is there a way that you can ask them to create their own rhythms out of a pattern of words that would then translate into ta and titi? There's all of these different ways that you can interact with them that is still giving them the opportunity to create something, is still giving them the opportunity to manipulate something with their hands tactilely. And there's all of these different ways that you can intentionally innovate to make sure that they still can can show you that they own this concept, that they can contribute to the music making in their own right. But that's the very first step, thinking about what that lesson target is and how you and your students will know whether or not they've accomplished that. So after you figured out what your learning target or lesson objective is going to be for your teaching opportunity, and once you've determined how you will know whether or not your students have accomplished that goal, the next step is to choose repertoire, games, songs, and activities that will serve that purpose. So you want to focus on things that you know you have in that keep or alter pile that we talked about at the beginning of today's podcast episode. And you also want to have things that highlight the learning objective in a way that is obvious to students. So especially in all of the barriers that we have sort of working against us, not sort of, but totally working against us right now with this authentic connection, find things that are blatant examples. So if we go back to Ta and Titi, there are tons and tons of Ta and Titi songs out there that you can use for your students. You can write a rhyme, you can create word chains, all that kind of stuff, but it needs to be something that just totally jumps out at them that they can extract and then manipulate to show that they understand the concept. Another important piece about choosing these these songs or games or whatever it's going to be inside of your lesson is to allow for active music making even with the types of intentional innovations you have to make for your current teaching situation. So what I mean by that is you're not just always asking your students to echo speech patterns. You're not always asking them to just listen. You're asking them to actually do something with the speech piece or the song or whatever it might be that shows their own ownership and also gives them the opportunity to showcase their own musicality and creativity. So that's a little bit trickier as we go through like hybrid or virtual mediums. And even as we're in person, if you're on a car and you feel like you can't get right there with your kids and want to show them the examples that you normally would. But again, think to yourself, how? Think, how can I make this super engaging and make it engaging by giving kids that opportunity for choice? 
So the first thing you're going to do is select that lesson objective and how you're going to assess it, how you're going to get that student feedback so you know that they've got it. The second thing you're going to do is choose that repertoire, those games, um, those activities that you want to do with your kids that highlights the learning objective in a way that's obvious, but also allows students the chance to show you what they got, basically. And then the third step is to create lesson segments. Now, if you are a member of Purposeful Planning or you've taken my free music teacher challenge, you know that I am a huge proponent of the lesson flow. So you divide your lesson into different sections according to those objectives. And it's not all like super heavy, like the students will show me this, that, and the other thing. There's a very specific order in giving kids the opportunity to respond to basically a stimulus from you, a prompt from you based on the types of things that you want to see from them. So it's thinking about how to break down your lesson into really intentional pieces that fit together to be a meaningful puzzle that allow for student creation and response, which is what we talked about in the second step. So you want to think about how to naturally break down all of those components of your lesson and then determine how to sequence them appropriately to set up your students for the most success and the most opportunity for participation. Because you want to give as much opportunity and choice for participation as possible so that you can have those different ways to have students respond and then different ways for you to know whether or not they got it. Okay, so the first step again, you're going to choose those learning targets or lesson objectives and the assessment strategies. The second thing is you're going to choose the stuff that you put inside that allows for your students creativity and active music making. And the third is you're going to create those lesson segments. And that's just really how are you going to break things down? How are you going to kind of check mark each section that you did to know whether or not they're ready for the next piece to give them a little chance for relaxation and some opportunity for student response as well? So those are the three steps for planning, whether you're virtually teaching hybrid or doing in-person instruction. But I have a bonus tip for all of you, no matter how you are being asked to teach, and that is to record and post at least some of your lesson segments. So here's my recommendation for this. Obviously, if you're teaching virtually, this is something that you'll likely do because even if you're doing some Zoom classes that are live with your kids, you still kind of likely want a bank of activities that they can go and access on their own time. So it ends up being more of a reverse classroom type of thing, which I think could work really, really well in a virtual environment. Um, The other thing is, if you are doing hybrid instruction, it's important for you to record your lesson segments that we just discussed so that kids have the opportunity to access those if they're on an every other day schedule and you don't see them every week, or if you have kids who are at home as well as kids in the classroom at the same time, because you want there to be an opportunity for student response for those kids who are accessing you through a live camera or whatever it might be. And last but not least, even if you're in person, it's really beneficial to have some recorded lesson segments, especially if you have your kids really spaced out, if you're not seeing them very often, because again, they might need to access some things since you don't see them on a regular basis or in the exact same way. But also it's important to have that kind of banked up so that you can give yourself a break. And it might be really beneficial to be like, okay, now we're going to watch this video and I want you to listen to this song and then we're going to do something with it. 
especially if you can't sing. That's a really great workaround that will help you save your voice, but also allow you to have some singing participation in your classes. So here is my philosophy when it comes to recording yourself teaching. And I know that there are many of my colleagues who are masterful video producers and creators, and I'm super jealous of their skills. But for me, I want things to be as simple and streamlined as possible, which is why I'm even sharing all of these tips with you in the first place when it comes to lesson planning. So I want things to be as simple and streamlined as possible, at least to start. And you know, you can always add in those bells and whistles later on. So the first thing that I think you need to do when you are planning to record and post your lessons is to create teaching segments, just like we mentioned in step number three, to create those lesson segments, but create teaching segments on video that are exactly as you would teach them in a normal class. Now, I mean literally looking at your plan and saying, okay, I'm now going to do my opening routine, press record, and start by good morning, boys and girls, it's time for music. And then you teach as if your kids were in front of you. I am not a huge proponent of using a lot of extra tech just for the sake of tech. I mean, there are great resources out there like Seesaw and Flipgrid and like all of the things. And some of those you can use like very bare bones for student response. But those software programs are meant to be way more comprehensive than all of that. And to be quite honest with you, I get super overwhelmed by a lot of that. So if that is your jam, more power to you. Please come and teach me all of the things. But if you are just getting started, I think it is 100% the way to go to create those teaching segments to press record. Think of a way for your students to respond, which is something you've already done in planning for this lesson, and give them a prompt to respond appropriately, but just leave it as a video. It doesn't have to be anything fancier than that. The next thing you do is you post them in the order of the lesson flow. So my opening routine is going to be first. My son bouquet or son material is going to be second. My major objective is going to be third and so on and so forth. For me, the transitions come in the next video. So for example, if I'm going to do my opening routine, my transition from the opening routine into my song material is going to happen in the song material video, in the second video. And that's because I've asked my students for a specific response after the opening routine. So if we always sing an echo hello song, I'm going to ask them to record themselves singing hello Miss Molesky. And then in the second video, when I get into the song material, I'm going to say that was great singing. I'm so glad we're here today. Let's go ahead and get started and just rock and roll that way. Now, just because I always have a place for students to give me the response, that doesn't mean I'm always listening to all of them. I might spot check a few, but there's always at least one or two responses inside of that lesson flow that I will go back in and assess, whether it's um, in that virtual hub, if you will, or if we're doing a hybrid or in-person type of thing, it would be in-person in that reverse classroom style of teaching. And I already hinted at this a little bit, but after creating those teaching segments and posting them in the order of my lesson flow, I would create quick and easy student response possibilities, both that are to be submitted and assessed or not, because I want my kids to have the opportunity to engage with each lesson segment in my lesson, just as if they were in my classroom. 
Now, I think that this is incredibly important if you are doing a hybrid style of teaching where you have kids in front of you in your classroom or in a classroom or in a space, let's just say it that way, and then also kids who are watching live via Zoom or otherwise, because that way... After each section of the lesson, you can say, okay, friends watching at home, now it's your chance to record yourself doing what we did here so that they can still feel connected and you can still have that touch point with them. But still, I think it's important to have at least one, hopefully two, responses for each and every lesson that you do with your kids so that you can check in on those objectives, so that you can check in on those targets, and also so that the kids are accountable to themselves. So if you start your lesson with that, today in music, I can clap, ta, and TT, and there isn't an opportunity for them to record themselves or to share that they've gotten that lesson objective, then it doesn't really mean a whole lot to them. So I think it's really important that even if that's just the way you close your lesson and say, okay, I want you to write your own four beat pattern with ta and tt and then record yourself clapping it, it's simple, but it's still something that's holding them accountable to that target. And then to that end, no matter how you are teaching, It's so important to really hone in on that learning target, that lesson objective, that behavioral objective, because you want to open your lesson by telling students what you're going to work on today, what your focus is going to be, teach them, and then tell them what you taught them by giving them the opportunity to respond. Okay, so all of those bonus steps, again, is to create those teaching segments that are exactly as you would teach them in a normal class and just literally press record, post them in the order of your lesson flow so that it feels as authentic as possible to a real in-person lesson, create quick and easy student response possibilities, both that are going to be submitted and assessed or not, so you're still asking for that engagement even if they're not necessarily recording a video, and then be sure to always tell students what you'll teach them, teach them, and then tell them what you taught them. So I hope today's podcast episode was helpful. I think it's so important that we really focus on these elements of our lives right now, just in general, that we can control. And I know that it's so easy to talk about because putting it into practice right now is really difficult because there are so many obstacles. But please remember that the one thing that you do have total control over is what you're doing for those kids. And if you haven't thought about this, and I know that you have, but I want to just remind you that what you're doing right now with children, making music, giving them an opportunity to stay connected with music making is so incredibly important now more than ever before. If you guys have any questions about anything I've talked about today, make sure to hit me up on Instagram, send me an email. And of course, don't forget about that free music teacher lesson planning challenge that is going on right now that will help you focus in even more on the things that you can control, which is creating intentional music making experiences for your kids because they need you and you were meant to be their music teacher. See you guys next time. Thanks for spending this little pocket of your day with me. I know music teachers are super strapped for time, so be sure to check out all the resources on anacoustic.com for today's episode. Don't forget to click subscribe wherever you're listening to today's podcast so you don't miss an episode of TAP. That way, you'll be notified each and every week when a new episode's live. And if you want even more tips and tricks delivered to your inbox, like a little love note from me to you, make sure you sign up for the Anacoustic newsletter and you'll be the first to know all the things. 
Also, if you are feeling today's episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram and Facebook. And I'd love you forever if you take a hot minute and leave a review. See you next time.